Thank you, um, uh, Kevin, Choir, Colleen, for leading us, and um, uh, Lauren and Jacob, uh, particularly for that last note. Just remember that last note of God being our eternal home. Um, I'm Drew Smith, uh, the pastor here at College Hill, and welcome all of you who are here with us um, physically or those that are um, online with us. T- today, uh, we're, we're moving uh, from the, our first subject on um, how we are uh, living by design, uh, how we, we maximize God's gifts for good. And we spent uh, the last uh, four Sundays, uh, at least three of the four, talking about money. And today, we move to time. Time's a really interesting subject to, to, to think about. You know, I mean, it's really hard to get your hands on it because it's always moving, you know, always just never stopping. This, this week, I read about um, a Nobel, the Nobel Physics Prize um, about some folks who put together an at-a-second pulsed laser. And at a second is a billionth of a billionth of a second. So this, so this laser pulses that fast. I didn't even know there was such a thing. I mean, so you slice a second into a billion pieces and you take one of those slices and slices it into a billion more. And that's an at a second. And that's how fast this laser was, was pulsing. The, the, the quandaries of, of time. It's sort of like money. It's sort of like money. We, it's interesting. You think about it. We use the same language for money because we can spend time. We can waste time. We can save time. We can even invest time. But it's, it's a little different. And one thing that makes a little different is that there's no way ever to make more. We can make more money. But we can't make more time because it just is what it is. I mean, even now, I can wonder were the last 10 words I said of any value at all. And I can wonder about that and spend more time than it took me to say the 10 words, to think about it, and it spirals out of control. You can see why, as I was reading and thinking about this, I thought of Alice in Wonderland. And I just saw the white rabbit in my head. Tick tock, tick tock. I'm late. We're late for a very important date. Time just keeps going and going and going. But yet, his, the white rabbit's foil was the Mad Hatter. Who said all along, it's tea time. It's always tea time. And isn't that it? You know, we're rushing with time or two that we'll talk more about next Sunday. Those two opposite ends of the spectrum where we can waste time. It's always tea time. Or we can hurry through time and never be present in the moment. So, so time is that important and, and very challenging for us today. It's, it's become more and more something to grapple with for me as I'm still in my late 50s for another seven months. I'm going to enjoy that. But I'm recognizing all the more, you know, that there... There's more time behind me than in front of me in, in terms of being in this form of my body. 
And that, that can cause anxiety around time. You know, when, when you start to realize that time is limited, that there's no way to catch up, even though the government gives me opportunities to do catch up contributions, you know, to retirement savings, uh, the, the time in which they build is gone. And the one thing about time that we can't do, it's only in make believe, is travel back in time. So it's insidious. Because what was done was done. And there's just no way to change it. There's no way to take that word I just said and put it back in. And like men in black, make you all blink and totally forget that it ever happened. God, it's interesting about this. Uh, Samuel and I were talking about this uh, last week as I was thinking about it. Because God has set aside, he's put in place rituals for his people. Uh, to give guidance for both money and time. And we talked about it with money. He, he set aside a tithe. You set aside a tenth. I wonder that maybe God's saying as well, time may even be more important than money. Because he had to set aside a seventh of our time. The Sabbath. Take a seventh. And, and both of them have the same basic focus. It's, it's set aside these valuable elements that are God's creation, God's gifts to us. Set them aside and give them totally to God so that you know all that you have of time and money is mine. But the, the, the ritual, the practice, the, the holy habit is to set aside the tenth and to set aside the seventh. We'll talk more next week about Sabbath, if the Lord so wills, and as we say, my hometown and the creek don't rise. I wonder, too, as well, as just thinking back, um, you know, I, I have three sermons set aside on money and only two on time. So, you know, oops, missed that one, but time's gone, it's already done. And here, here we are. So I take solace in a, a quote from Alice who said, It's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then. So today I am different and we'll deal with the day. Our passage is Psalm 90, which we were just really singing from our help, oh God, our help in ages past. And you'll hear, uh, you'll hear words from that particular hymn. As we read through um, Psalm 90, which gives us some guidance of of just the nature of time, the nature of God, our nature. And and where's our hope in this incessant ticking of time? Where's our hope in in Christ and through the nature of God of how we live bound by time, horrified by time, terrified by time, regretting yesterday and anxious about tomorrow? That's uh, how do we live into that time that God has given us? Let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, we thank you for your word. Thank you as it speaks to us of your truth. And and now uh, we ask that you will continue to to teach us. You open our eyes and ears, our our hearts to receive from you and then free us to to live in the, the, the freedom that you give us. Lord, we... We want to, as we read in this passage, we want to number our days with a heart of wisdom. Lead us and guide us uh, to do just that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
All right, Psalm 90. It is the, the one and only psalm attributed to Moses. The As we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. God always beats the clock. He is above the clock. He's beyond time. He existed from everlasting to everlasting before infinity and after infinity. God is not bound by time. And that's what he's trying to get. That's what Moses is saying he has experienced in his walk with God. And he's sharing that with us. I want to read the first six verses again. And Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. Moses uses the mountains as a backdrop, I think for a reason. I think there's uh, really, um, you, you catch Moses' heart here and his life with God here because he spent time on the mountains with God, where he saw him face to face. And here he's saying, look at the mountains. And and yet God was here before those mountains were even formed. And he he tells us here, God God is is not bound by time at all. A thousand years are like a watch in the night. You know, one one day is a thousand years. Now, it's not that uh, Moses is saying, so it's like in God's time, it's a thousand twenty-three. He's not literal like that. Uh, it's the same way in the, the psalmist in another place says, God owns the cattle in a thousand hills. Well, the thousand, so again, money and time. The thousand is, a, is the, the number of completeness. You know, the ten is a number of completeness. This is ten times ten times ten. You know, ten to the third. So a thousand, it doesn't mean that God, when he says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that there's a thousandth and first cattle that's a hill that somebody else owns the cattle there. He, he's saying that all that we have is God's gift in creation. He's saying all of time is God's gift to us. God is not bound by time. He is immense. It's awe and marveling and absolutely brain squishing to try to think, well, how does that work? How has God always been and how will God always be? And what do you mean he looks at time as a still photograph and not a video? That it's just one still picture before the mind of God. That's how immense that he is. And and What's good news here, what's good news is our helplessness around time, the the regrets of yesterday, the anxiety about tomorrow, the uncertainty of today. 
That that sense of helplessness, God doesn't have it one bit. He in, in, in no way is impacted by the passing on of time. He's greater than your shame and regrets about yesterday and greater than your anxieties for tomorrow. And we have these because we can't stop the march of time. It's just impossible. But God is greater still. So recognize the first thing that Moses wants us uh, to, to know. The second thing is he wants us to know what we already know, that time catches up with all of us. Time catches up with us all. And that's, that's why he goes into these middle verses about God's wrath and our sin. You see, the, the fact that, that time, uh, that we have time on our hands, that we're always moving in time, is really bad news for us. Because that, that means that eventually we're going to be revealed for who we are. Our sin, our selfishness, our hatred, our anger, our lack of faith, lack of trust, our anger, that those are going to be revealed. It's going to be seen. It's going to be made clear um, to God. Uh, the, the passage in the middle, that, that God reveals our sin to himself. Uh, to to hear, hear that, you have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. So the time will catch up with us. We will wear out. Physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. We will prove our fallenness. Each one of us. We will prove that we are worthy of God's wrath. Of God's just wrath. We are worthy of that. There's no way to get around it because of time. Because time just gives us opportunity to demonstrate our brokenness. Our fallenness, our rebellion. But again, and this this is the story of the Bible. This this happens. This this every time. I've mentioned this a lot lately. You know, we're not the hero of the Bible. There's no human being besides the incarnate one, the incarnate Lord, uh, who's the hero of the story. God's the hero, and and Moses knew this. He knew this face to face. You remember I told you he was on Mount Sinai, you know, Exodus 32 through 34. If you want to go back and read that at a time, just catch Moses interaction with God. Because Moses, you know, he, he's the one that leads the people of God out of slavery from Egypt. You know, the, the ten plagues and they leave Egypt and, and God, uh, he causes this great escape 
for all of them. And they're all alive. The, 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 the Passover, the angel of death passes over them because of the blood on their doors. And God says, now you're free. Go, run, take off. And they take off and they, they leave. And it's not but a, two or three chapters, uh, a chapter later that then they come to the Red Sea. God, what are we going to do? The Egyptians are coming after us. And God splits the Red Sea in front of them. And they walk on the, the bottom of the Red Sea is like it was dry ground. And they get to the other side. And then they turn around. And the Egyptians now are doing the same thing. They're in the bottom of the Red Sea. And God releases the water. And the water comes and destroys them. And just another chapter after this huge grand escape that God has caused of them. That they have to be absolutely mind-boggling. And Moses is now... Back on the mountain with God. And he's seeing him face to face. The Ten Commandments are being written. And you know what the people are doing? This is the next chapter. You know the story. They're making an idol out of their gold jewelry. Like the Egyptians did. So that they can worship. Sort of cover the bases. We are fickle. And we all know it. We all know. I mean, I know it. I'm preaching the sermon. And this afternoon, I'll forget it. You know, it's not just a little bit of time. It's all it takes. And and yet, Moses is with God. And God says, oh, you, you don't know what's going on down there. You, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to wipe them out. Because time has proven true that they... They're not, they do not follow me. They do not know me. They are a fickle bunch. And Moses says, no, Lord, repent, you know, relent. Don't do that. Change. Don't, don't do that. Even though, I mean, it, it didn't take a chapter for them to make this, this change. And God turns to Moses and says, I will not destroy them. I will relent. That's, that, that's then the next part of the passage. Moses has seen in his own life and in others. He's seen how just a little bit of time shows our true character and our fallenness from God. But it shows all the more as well. Just how faithful God is. His patience, his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I mean, what, what a bold prayer. What gives us any right to ask the creator, the, the righteous, beautiful creator, as, as fickle?
critical human beings focused on ourselves and, and not on him. What gives us the right even to ask anything but that the very character of God Moses has seen. You know, because also in those passages in, in Exodus, that's the time that Moses said, I want to see your glory. And God said, no, you can't see my glory. But as I, I walk by, get in this little crag here, get in this little crevice of these rocks. I'll put my hand on you. I'll walk by and you'll see sort of the after glow of my glory. And, and Moses is the one that experienced God in that way, who, who knew that, that God is the one. And he, and he heard the angels say, heard the, the Lord say, you know, I am the Lord, your God, slow to anger, quick to forgive and filled with steadfast love. That's what gives us the right, like Moses, to pray this prayer. Because God saves us in the nick of time. He saves us. Just like Moses has experienced God's forgiveness for his people. He knows that we can ask God to relent from his righteous anger and his wrath at any time. And he will. He has forgiven his people their sin. And he leads them through the wilderness into the promised land. And and the parallel story of this is the story of Jesus in Holy Week. Yeah, yeah. Palm Sunday, Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem. He's on dry, riding on a donkey as a king. And what are the people, what are they crying out? Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in five days, in five days, that ensuing Friday, what is the crowd crying out? Crucify him, crucify him. A fickle people, a fickle crowd, but a steadfast, faithful God who stays on the cross, condemning all the ravages of time, killing even death itself, killing even sin itself, destroying it, and then being raised, showing his victory over the ravages of time. To say we have life and even life eternal with God in me through the power of the cross and the blood that was shed for you to satisfy the righteous wrath of God. For all is complete. A fickle people saved by a steadfast love and patience of God who is above and beyond time. God hears our repentance, even the feeble creatures that we are. And with love, he hears and responds. Moses knows it. He's experienced it. Jesus has accomplished it. And not just to save us, but to transform us for good, for his glory. Not just, okay, you're good, you're in, be done. No, but to be then his people. That's why he did it with Israel. That's why he did it with Jesus. That's why he did it for you and for me. To now look at time differently. Not as something we regret or we run from or something we're scared of and we we want to avoid. But to recognize that God is the one who oversees all of time. And we can come and make these requests. The request that Moses leads us 
too. We can conquer the fallen effects of time and continue to grow in Christ until He returns, even in the midst of the impact and effects of time upon us. No matter how young or old, strong or weak, we can continue to pray with Moses. Teach us to number our days with a heart of wisdom. We can cry out to God. I mean, all right, God, teach me. Teach me today with an open heart. Say, teach me today. Give me that heart of wisdom so that I I number my days according to your wisdom. That, That heart, that desire to know your wisdom. That's why we gather every time to to gather in his word, to get his wisdom. Because we don't want to waste time, nor do we want to hurry through it. We want to live time in the presence of the only wise God. Satisfy us, he says, with your love. So that, so that we're able to live, even in the midst, even as time ticks, even as all the, the, the pain and grief that time brings our way, we still in you have joy and gladness. Not just in heaven. Not just when all is made right. When you return and time is fulfilled. But even now. And then in, the, in your favor. Make our work meaningful. You know, the end. He says it twice. Establish the work of our hands. He says in here. You know, I'm going to show us. He starts off with the last two verses. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. You know, so let us keep looking, uh, keep looking at the mountains, keep looking at the skies, keep looking at the the power of God around us. Know the, the work that he's doing in our lives and in the world around us so that we see what you're doing and we participate in what you're doing. I mean, in a way, it's not any different than what we talked about with money. How do we participate in evangelism, discipleship, and caring for the vulnerable? How do we pursue sharing this good news with anyone and everyone? How do we use our time so that we are growing, maturing in Him, and helping others to do the same? And how do we use our time to care for those that are vulnerable in our midst? The same things that we said. This is what God's doing. How does our money work now? How does our time we use our time accordingly, the time that God has entrusted to our care. Because we want it. Because this is the good news. You know, if we don't, if we're not using our time and, and our, the work of our hands isn't being established according to the ways of God, then we're wasting it. You understand that in the end of time, the only thing left is what God has done. It's the beauty and wonder of what God has done. Everything else is destroyed. So what a gift that God, that Moses is saying. So be praying that God would help us so that we are establishing the work that we're doing. So that the time we spent is not wasted, but it is spent in what is eternal. So we see what God is doing and we get to participate in that. Now, the, uh, so the application for us, it's, it's funny, it's sort of the same as money. You know how we said, let's do a budget for our money? Let's do a budget for our time. Do an audit of your time. And, and you know, it's sort of this, there's similar kind of things with time as there are with money. You know, there are needs. You're going to have to sleep. You're going to have to eat. And eventually, yes, you're going to have to clean yourself in some way, shape, or form. 
You know, so there's going to be time that you're in, in the bed, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, at the table. There's, you're going to have to do those things, those things. And then, then there's work. And now you're, you're the work that, that we do and the time that that takes. And, and that also is a place for establishing, being established in the work that God has given us. And then there's time that we use in pleasure as well. Uh, so, but just take a, a look this week and get a sense, give an audit in a sense of your time. How do you spend that, uh, that time? It's the best way, first step to say, hmm, how, how is this time being used? And then offer it to the Lord and say, now give me a heart of wisdom so that I number my days correctly. A right in, in alignment with you so that what I'm doing in that time, you're, you're establishing through uh, the, your eternal plan and purpose. It was a, this, so this psalm has done a major, total change of time from being something that's beyond our understanding, that's scary, uh, that uh, we feel helpless, to now saying, oh no. Time is a gift from God, who's the one that's created it, who's over it, and now empowers us to live in this time today, uh, doing what is in accordance with His will, uh, enjoying Him with joy and gladness and the beauty of His love. Alice had the same sort of conversion in her understanding of time, in, uh, not in Alice in Wonderland, but in looking through the, uh, the through the looking glass, because initially. She says, time is a cruel master. No, time is a thief and a villain. Toward the end of the story, she changes her tune. I used to think time was a thief. But you give before you take. Time is a gift. Every minute, every second. Let's take some time and pray. give you 30 seconds of silence just to sit with this and see what's the Lord saying to you and then we'll join in prayer together Almighty God, we, we do come before you and we cry out with Moses uh, that you indeed would teach us to number our days that we might have your, your heart of wisdom. Uh, that you indeed would, would satisfy us in, in your steadfast love. That we would be secure in, in you through the life, death, resurrection, eventual return of Jesus. Continue to anchor our soul in Him. And, and may we experience, even through the, the ravages and challenges of time, may we experience a, a joy, a gladness that comes from knowing You. And through, through this, Lord, indeed establish the work that 
we're doing as a church, that each of us are doing individually in our lives, in our communities and neighborhoods, families. We offer ourselves to you as, as a church, as a people, so that we're, we're not doing, doing things that are not in alignment with your plan and purpose because we know that truly is a waste of time. So guide and direct us. We submit ourselves before you. And Almighty God, we thank you as well that we have the privilege of coming before you and making bold claims. And Lord, we pray, we pray again for our world. We, we, we think, continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Russia and Ukraine and in the, the war. And we pray you would lift your church up in the midst of, of that calamity and bring your, your peace. Let be working for what is good and right. Establish the work of their hands in such a horrific time for many. We pray the same in the Middle East for our brothers and sisters in Israel and Palestine and for uh, the um, war that is uh, starting, restarting there. We pray your peace. We pray for those that are followers of Jesus that that you indeed would establish them to do the work of, of making peace. We know that's outlandish, bold prayer. But we know... You are greater, even than time itself. So we can lift that up to you. We we pray, um, Lord, as well for uh, one another, for those in in need of your touch. We pray for Janet Bennett, for um, Mary Kaufman, um, as Mary has surgery this week. Uh, Janet Bennett has uh, continues with with treatment. Pray your healing hand upon them. And for others that you lay on our heart, we lift them before you. And we pray, Lord, for the, the, the work that we're doing with WizKids. And as that kicks off this Tuesday, or particularly the, just the opening party this Tuesday, Lord, we, we pray that it would be one that you would establish the work that is there, that it is of your, the work of your kingdom, that it would bring you glory and it would be an honor to you and it would be a witness to the rest of the world. Other things that are on our mind. Lord, we we lift them before you, praying for your guidance and direction and your wisdom. Pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.